Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for the scripture, for this truth that we can all proclaim together aloud in this time and in this place here. Despite the sirens and the motorcycles, you are glorified. So magnify yourself, glorify yourself in this time. Bless your servant as he comes and he speaks to us on your word and hews out the truth for us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you would say to the church today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Have a seat. Psalm 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those, to look, those who look on him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. everybody. So um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Blake. I serve as the Director of Discipleship and Outreach here at Terranova Church. Um, I'm not preaching today, but I do have the, the privilege to introduce um, June, who is our speaker for this morning. Um, and it's it's June's first time preaching here at Terranova Church, so I just wanted to um, take a second to say some, some words about him. Um, so June has been at Terranova Church for about five or six years now, and um, he recently started an internship, uh, working primarily with me. Um, and June's focus in the internship, we sat down and we, we talked about, you know, 
what what we want the experience to be like for him and, and where his kind of focused area wants to be and it was it was in our outreach programming and, and um, something that really stands out about Junius is heart for people um, the way that he cares about people um, and and the way that he cares specifically about this city the people um, that we uh, are trying to reach in this city so um, June loves Jesus a lot, and that's really clear if you if you know him and you've interacted with him. Um, he shares a lot of wisdom in what he says, um, and I also just really appreciate he's put a ton of time and effort into what he has to share this morning. So with that, I'm going to ask June to come up, um, and again, yeah, give him a round of applause. So again, we're just really grateful um, uh, to have June as part of our community, and I'm looking forward to what he has to say. I'm going to pray real quickly, and then we'll uh, hand it over to June. So if you all pray with me. Uh, Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for this time that we have to um, just like worship together and, and be present here together. Just ask that as June um, presents your word to us, that you would give us um, ears to hear what you have to say, that you would um, guide our hearts uh, and convict us in areas where we need to, to hear from you. Ask that you would um, be present with June as he speaks and calm any nerves that he has. And above all, Lord, be glorified in this service. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Terra family. Um, it's great to be out here at Sage Park and worship together in our community. Uh, yeah, like Vic said, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, June Ha. You can call me. Uh, June, I'm an intern here on staff, um, and part of what I've been doing has been just supporting the work of our pastors, our staff, um, and working with uh, Blake, our director of outreach, um, and also I've been given this opportunity uh, to preach. Um, for full disclosure, this is my, yeah, like Blake says, my first time preaching, uh, so please bear with me. Um, if you came here to hear Tori preach or Blake preach, I'm sorry. Um, you're stuck with the intern today. Um, Praise my prayer that God would just meet us and be present with us. Um, and so, yeah, we are in a sermon series called Summer in the Psalms. And the Psalms is this beautiful book of poetry and prayers in the form of psalms like, like Dennis mentioned. And it's penned mostly by David, but by other authors as well, such as Asaph, uh, Moses, and Solomon, in which we took a look at his psalm last week. Um, and it gives us a glimpse into their journeys, their walk with God, their pilgrimage of faith. Um, and when we take a look at the Psalms as a whole, um, it's like this, I like to think of it as like a, this, this symphony of different sounds and textures. Uh, it has songs of deep sadness and lament, um, just expressing... Um, it has songs of deep sadness and lament uh, just expressing the throbbing ache of our world, uh, but also has songs of joy and of praise, uh, celebrating God's goodness and His grace. Um, I think that's the one thing I love about the Psalms is that it takes into full account of our human experience. Um, and when we journey with David through, through these Psalms, um, he's pretty raw. Um, he's probably not the person we want to follow on Instagram, um, but I do think he's someone that we want as a friend, um, as a companion for the journey. Um, his words that express uh, his wrestles with God and his struggles, um, they feel like an invitation for me uh, to also be honest and to be real um, with what's going on. And like any good friend, he's like this reassuring voice that comes alongside of us and says, it's okay. Um, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be confused. 
Uh, but at the same time, he points us to a God, um, like the psalm that we'll look at today, he points us to a God who's present through all of it. Um, a presence when experienced uh, can lead a life of joy and of praise. Um, and that's my main idea. My main idea is that God's presence can lead to a life of praise. Um, and my roadmap will be a life of constant praise. And we're going to look at three elements of God's presence that can lead to this life of constant praise um, and a life of embodied praise. And so first, the life of constant praise. Um, David, in these first few verses, is exuberant. Um, he's experienced something, or rather someone, that has led him to make this declaration, um, a commitment that he will uh, bless God at all times, and that praise will be continually in his mouth. Um, and those of us who are here today, we know that worship is at the very core of who we are and what we do, uh, week in, week out. Um, we begin and end our services with worship. Um, but even if you're not a Christian here today, we know that as humans, we just have this tendency to talk about something we enjoy, we delight in, or it gives us life. Uh, whether it's a great meal, um, a great brunch spot, or a great movie, we just naturally want to talk about it and want to share with others. Um, and so what David is doing here isn't, isn't new, um, but I think what sticks out and kind of confronts us is the scope of his praise. He says, not a moment, um, not a day, but at all times. Um, and it confronts us because I feel like a lot of our praise seems so fleeting. Um, we sing some songs, uh, say some prayers, uh, but it's hard to sustain that even for a day, um, let alone at all times. Um, or whether it's that great brunch spot, or that great meal, or that great movie, um, whatever it is, it rarely goes beyond maybe a few comments or a few text messages to a friend expressing how good it is. Um, but for David, he was envisioning life in which worship is continuous, a praise that's enduring, it endures the ups and downs. It echoes what Paul would say in 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And I think the question for us is what has led to this posture in David? Uh, because if you're anything like me, you say, how, how can you say this? Uh, you almost want to go up to David and be like, don't you know the kind of world we live in? Um, not only do the good things we experience seem fleeting, uh, but it seems like when we turn on the news, uh, go on social media, there's tragedy after tragedy. Um, there's also the aches and pains that we go through personally, um, and they're just the grind of day-to-day -day life that makes praise so hard, if not impossible. And so David, like the artist he is, he brings us into his own story, which you see briefly in verse 4 and 6. I think it's here that we see this root of his desire to praise God continuously, um, and that at the root of his desire is a God who's present. Um, and so we're going to look at three elements um, to God's presence that David encountered. Uh, one is that God is someone we can go to with access to him. Uh, God is someone we can look to for power. Um, and God is a safe presence. Um, first, we see that God is someone we can go to in prayer. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Uh, in verse 6, it says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. David felt fear. Uh, he was going through trouble. Uh, but it says he sought the Lord. And this shows that we have access. Uh, when we're filled with fear and troubles press in, um, we can go to God. Uh, we don't need to make an appointment. Uh, we don't need to fill out an application or a subscription. Uh, but as I heard a pastor say, all we need uh, is our need. Um, and this is someone in, uh, 
someone that Psalm 121 says never slumbers nor sleeps, uh, meaning we can go to him all day, every day. And this is not to dismiss the body, the important people in our lives, or the different resources that we go to for help. Uh, but we all have limits. Those things have limits. They can't be with us 24-7. Uh, uh, but God can. And he also cares. It says in verse 4 that he answered me. God doesn't leave us unread. Um, he doesn't put our emails in the junk category. Um, he doesn't miss our calls. Um, his answer doesn't depend on anything else other than the fact that we're needy um, and that he cares. And so we can go to him. Um, but secondly, this God we look to has power. Uh, again, in verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Notice that deliverance here is a result of where David looked. Um, he didn't fixate on the fear. Uh, he didn't look at the trouble. But it says that he sought the Lord. And in verse 6, it says he cried to the Lord. In other words, David's gaze was toward God. Um, and when we consider what David is doing here, I found this really, really helpful. Uh, because I know that for me, uh, when fears creep in, or and I'm in some tough situation, that's all kind of I stare at. Um, and when I do this, I begin to speak very matter-of-factly. Um, I start to think, no way uh, that's going to work out, or that's definitely not going to happen. I can't pass that test, or this situation is hopeless. Um, and I wonder if that's the case for a lot of us here today, um, that when we experience fear or anxiety, or we find ourselves in some really difficult moments, um, it can be suffocating. And those fears and those troubles start to kind of determine the shape of our lives. Uh, but David here is trying to reorient our gaze. Um, a gaze to a God who in Psalm 29 says, thunders over the waters, breaks the cedars, he makes mountains skip. This is a God of power. Um, and I think it can inspire in us a sense of imagination um, that when we have this power in our lives, we can begin to see our fears and our troubles in a new way. And it reminds me of the scene in the Gospels, um, in Luke 9, 10 through 17, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, they just spent the day with this large crowd, uh, they were teaching and healing, and the day comes to a close. And the disciples tell Jesus to send the crowd away, but Jesus wants to feed them. But this is deeply troubling to the disciples because first it says they were in a desolate place, and two, all they had was two fish and five loaves. In other words, they're thinking, no way we can feed them. But Jesus takes the two fish and the five loaves in a way acknowledging that, okay, this is, this is the reality. But he says in verse 16 of that passage that he looked up to heaven. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And the next verse says, <clears throat> they all ate. And the feeding of the 5,000 here was a result of where Jesus looked. You see, the disciples looked at what they had and saw a lack. Uh, Jesus looked up to God and saw abundance. Disciples looked at a place of desolation, but Jesus looked to heaven where the Father holds all riches. Disciples saw inability, uh, but Jesus saw a God who was able. Um, in other words, the disciples let their reality, their worry, and their trouble determine what could be possible. But when we, like Jesus, can look up to heaven or like David and seek the Lord, we see a greater reality, um, a greater reality that we can have hope, we can dream. Um, our fears and troubles don't have to determine the lines of our lives. Um, 
deliverance can come from the most hopeless situations or circumstance because it's not where we are, um, but where we look. Um, and so we looked at God is someone we can go to. Um, God is someone we can look to for power. Uh, but also God is a safe presence. Uh, in verse 8 it says, Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And I love this word refuge because I think it helps us see God as this safe presence. Uh, someone that we can bring our whole selves to. Uh, not just the side of us that we want others to see, um, but the parts of us that we often hide. Uh, the sin, our shame, our guilt, uh, parts of us that are messy and complicated. Uh, we can bring all of this to God and still know that we're loved, that we're valued, and that we're accepted. And I feel like this experience is not something we have in our day to day. We have roles as parents, uh, maybe as students, as employees, or children, whatever it may be. Um, there's this pressure to kind of have it all together. Um, or maybe we curate a certain image of ourselves um, because, we, because we fear maybe that we lose um, if we don't do those things, we fear losing maybe love, acceptance, um, and a sense of value. In other words, those things, love and acceptance, they feel conditional based on our image, how well we are put together. Um, but in this presence, this safe presence, I think God is still saying to us, it's okay, it's all good. It doesn't matter what your week is, uh, what it looked like, what you said or didn't say, what you did or didn't do, what you are, what you're not. You're still loved. You're welcome here. And this condition that we don't have it all together, or the state of our emotional lives, or our darkness, it's not a threat to God's nearness. Uh, it's not a threat to his presence. It's not a threat to being loved. This is complete and utter security. And this security, when we receive it, when we experience it, it begins to produce a sense of honesty uh, with ourselves. Uh, David, he's king, uh, but he calls himself here a poor man. Um, he's a warrior, but he cries, he's vulnerable. Um, out of anyone, he must have had this immense pressure to always have it together, uh, to be strong. Um, he's able to fall apart. He's able to be himself. Um, and this honesty, I think, is deeply liberating for us because as we too are in the safe presence, as we soak in that presence, we're able to acknowledge our own poverty. Um, we can cry, um, but in those moments of darkness, um, when we cry, when we're vulnerable, it's liberating because we can receive more of God, His strength, His love, and His acceptance. Uh, we can allow ourselves to be fully human, but also let God be fully God in our lives. Um, and so it's these three elements. God is someone we can go to. God is a God of power. Uh, God is a safe presence. These three elements, I feel, when, we, when experienced, can lead to this life of constant praise that David envisioned. Um, but also, this presence can also lead, uh, it leads to this idea of embodied praise. Um, we see this in verses 11 through 14. Um, David, in this section of the psalm, moves from worshiper, uh, and he puts on his teaching hat. He says, come, O children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Um, I think David switches up on us here because he wants to give us a fuller picture of what worship is, um, how worship may express itself in everyday life. Um, maybe for some of us, we tend to associate worship with singing, or maybe we think of worship primarily as 
what we do here on Sunday mornings, um, or something we do at Tribe, uh, or at Quiet Time. But David wants us to teach us that worship spills over into every part of our lives. He doesn't want to separate worship from our work, uh, worship from our relationships, worship from the way we engage our neighbors and our city. Um, this experience, this presence that we experience now, we are now meant to radiate to those around us. Um, and the order, I think, is really crucial. He's, he, he doesn't give us this teaching first and then invite us to praise, uh, but first there's this experience, this receiving of God, um, that out of joy and gratitude, we live out what he calls us here. And there's two things that he wants, to, uh, wants us to live out. First, he wants us to embody praise in the way we use our words. He says in verse 13, to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. When we have God's presence in our lives, it changes the way we speak. Um, words are no longer used for self-gain, um, but for the flourishing and the good of others. And I think a simple example is that our words um, are no longer used to put others down so that we feel better about ourselves. Remember, we are loved, we're accepted, we're valued, and so we don't need to put others down but build others up. Um, and we no longer have to be manipulative or deceitful with our words um, to get what we want or what we need um, because we have, a, uh, we have a God who takes care of those things. Um, and secondly, our deeds change. He says that verse 14 says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Um, this presence in our lives, when we have it and we experience its fullness, we're free from living solely for ourselves. Uh, we have this access, we look to him, we have power, uh, we're secure in him. Uh, we can begin to kind of loosen the grip we have on our own lives. We no longer have to be greedy or self-seeking, uh, but begin to live for the good and the flourishing of others and pursue peace. Um, and I think this is what David hints at um, when he contrasts the saints and the young lions. The lions are always hungry, uh, so they prey on others to be filled. Uh, but the saints, us here today, we're filled with the presence of God, and so we're able to pursue peace so that all can flourish. Um, and so, so far we looked at this life of constant praise um, and, and how that presence can lead to a, this life of embodied praise. Um, but to close our time together, I want to highlight verse 20. Um, it says, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Um, I know that I've been talking a lot about God's presence. Um, and throughout this text, we see God delivering David, he's saving David, God's a refuge. But I just want to acknowledge that I know for a lot of us here, and I know for myself, that what he's describing here can be so far removed from our actual experience. Um, rather than his presence, uh, it feels like our world and our lives at times is more marked by his absence. Um, we pray to God, we ask him to deliver us and save us, and nothing happens. And we think, God, what's going on? You know, you have this power, you have this presence. You know, why aren't you doing anything? And I think it's in those moments that absence feels more real, it feels more palpable. But David gives us something to cling to. This verse that he wrote will be later referenced in John 19. And there we see that Jesus is crucified. And this is the worst moment of his life. Um, there's complete abandonment by the Father. Uh, and there's total and utter absence. But it says that the soldiers 
did not break his legs. And in verse 36, it says, For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Christ is totally abandoned. God is completely absent. And yet, what do we see? Scripture is fulfilled. God is working out his good purposes for his glory and for our good. This moment of complete absence will later be received for the beautiful work of redemption and salvation that we praise week in and week out. And this is encouraging for us because when we feel like God is absent, um, that he's abandoned us, um, he doesn't answer our prayers and nothing happens, it's in these moments that we can cling to the hope that he still is sovereign, he's in control, he's working out his good purposes uh, for his glory, for our good. Um, and so, it, and because Christ was abandoned on our behalf, no matter how absent we think God is, no matter how palpable that feels, when we look to Christ, not at our fear or our trouble, um, we can know he's near. We can ultimately know he's near and that he's present. Uh, fears may persist, and troubles keep coming and coming and coming. Um, and it seems like in those moments God's not answering us, we can know that God has ultimately answered us in him. Um, those fears and those troubles will not have the last word. It won't define our lives. We'll be delivered. We'll be delivered from all of it. And David's story of deliverance um, will be true of us as well. And so, as the band comes up, um, I just wanted to leave you with this, that this is, um, this is hard. Uh, I think we need each other to help us live this kind of life of praise. And if you look at the first few verses, you see that David moves from I will praise the Lord to let us exalt his name together. Um, and I think that invitation shows that he needed the body. Um, he knows that his personal devotion to God is sustained only by a community of people. Um, and so let's share with one another um, each other's stories of how God's present in our lives. Um, so that we can be encouraged to lead uh, this life of praise. Uh, so let me just pray for us. God, we thank you. Uh, your presence um, is generous, is kind. Um, but oftentimes it feels like um, you're absent um, and we wonder what's going on. Um, it's in those moments that you would help us to reorient our gaze to God, to Christ, um, and it's, when we, it's only when we look to him that we can know that you are present um, and that we have this hope that ultimately you will deliver us uh, from our fear, that you will ultimately deliver us from all trouble. Uh, and so, guys, that hope that we cling to, um, and we just ask that as we uh, just share with one another our stories, um, whether it's in tribe or the conversations that we have, um, help us to be encouraged. Help us to be encouraged to lead uh, this life of praise.